Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire, the Leadership Development Podcast, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. All right, Aspire listeners, I'm so excited for this episode because I have a good friend and someone who's been a part of the Aspire community for quite some time now, Matt Dunbar, who is a principal out in Virginia at Benjamin Franklin Middle School. Matt, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I uh, have been a listener for a very, very long time. Yours is the podcast that I make sure I never miss. That's awesome, man. And I I love having you a part of that Aspire Voxer group too, because, you know, we have a lot of conversations, especially during COVID. I felt like it was such a a safe space to kind of try and figure out what's going on with everyone and, and hearing all of the different aspects of the job in each part of the country. And around the world. It's been a lot of fun, and I just appreciate all of the wisdom and insight that you've provided in that community. Absolutely. Uh, it, it was it was good to, to know that other folks, it, it was not just a, a one-person battle, a two-person battle. There, Everyone was literally going through the exact same thing, just in a different part of the country, and it was nice to be able to go there and hear the journey that everyone was in at that point in time. Yeah. And talking about journeys, you know, I'd love not only to learn a little bit about you, but, you know, figure out how you became a principal in a school and what that journey looked like. Yeah. So I am born and bred in Franklin County, uh, Rocky Mountain, Virginia, uh, which is rural Southwest Virginia. I graduated from high school in 2007, went to Liberty University. Uh, My wife and I went to elementary, middle, and high school together. We ended up dating our last year of college, which is which is a fun story. But once I graduated, I got a job teaching ninth grade world history, which I most assuredly did not want. I thought I was going to be a U.S. history teacher because everyone goes into social studies wanting to be that U.S. history teacher. But I, I, ninth grade world history. And then uh, my last two years teaching, I was also a senior government teacher. And as I say, when I go into math classes or, or English classes or science classes, Yes, I know what you're doing. Yes, I can kind of do what you're doing. Uh, but if you want to know about Mesopotamia, I got you. I can, I can, I can rattle off all different facts about the Tigris and Euphrates, uh, and I can bore you for days with that. My uncle is one of the most influential people in my life. He was a uh, longtime uh, teacher and administrator, and I knew relatively early on in the teaching career that I wanted to go into administration. So 2015, I started the Virginia Tech Ed Leadership Program. Uh, met two of my closest friends in life in that program. We talk every single day through Voxer because of you uh, and because of that Voxer group. I got the two of them to join. The three of us are constantly communicating in Voxer, but I graduated from the master's program in 2017. That summer, I took a job um, about 40 minutes away from my house in kind of uh, urban uh, or as urban as you can be in, in Southwest Virginia uh, in Roanoke City. I was uh, assistant principal there for a year um, under a man named Archie Freeman, who is currently the assistant superintendent in that school division. One of the most incredible and engaging, uh, inspiring leaders that I've ever been around in my entire life. He and I go to lunch still every single month. Uh, He was one of the first uh, individuals to hold our first child. She spent five days in the NICU. 
so he he's all he's been a huge part of my life ever since that that first year. But the 40 to 45 minute drive was difficult for my young family at that point in time. Yeah. And it just so happened that a job literally four minutes away from my house opened to be the eighth grade administrator at the middle school that I currently work in, interviewed, got that job. And I have been here for the last four years, two years as the eighth grade administrator. And then currently as the sixth grade administrator, quick background about our school. This usually blows people away. We have 1500 students at our middle school separated into three different buildings, sixth grade. Um, we have a two-story building, about 520-ish kids in this building uh, with me, a dean of students, an instructional coach, and two counselors who are awesome. It's been a uh, very fun journey so far. So I know that you're doing a lot of different projects, and COVID has kind of derailed some of those things, as it has for many campuses, mine included. But I know that you've got some really strong initiatives that you've been a part of, and I'd really like to dive in on this episode about what you're doing in your schools. So mm-hmm. first thing I know that we've talked about is the relationship and cultural competency project that you've been working on. And I know it, you started off with new staff, but then also it's really for the entire staff going over those concepts again, and just really want to know what that program's about and what is it that you're trying to teach your staff? Yeah. So a couple of very lucky breaks early on um, in my master's journey, I got hooked into two huge professional development opportunities that were division-wide. One of them was a kind of a reframing our social studies work, and then the other was cultural competency at that point in time. In 2015, uh, we worked to create a training that we eventually delivered to the entire county, all all of our staff, and then from there, we just kind of built off of that. Even though I I left and was gone for a year, when when I came back the following year, they opened me back with just welcome arms. We developed what I, what I think and what the, the feedback that we've received was just an incredibly awesome, engaging, uh, inspiring training that not only looked at what cultural competency is, but how teachers can better interact with the students in their classroom. One of the things that actually it's two different things. I, I say this every time we have a training. Number one is we we do teach content, but we teach kids first. So kids over content. That is something that I, that I say very often. And then the, the second part to that is as teachers, we don't necessarily choose the students that come into our classroom. And as the professionals, we're charged with making sure that we're engaging with them. We're making sure that uh, we have to make sure that we are teaching them, helping them learn helping them understand the material and and being and trying to help them be better people along the way. Um, and I, I think that's why that cultural competency piece is so important. We, we talk about race, but we also talk about socioeconomic status. We talk about diversity of experiences. And, and that's, that is a, a phrase that we've used a lot over the last two years. You don't know the background. You don't know, even from day to day, you don't know the background and what's changing for a student the night before. Uh, so we try to have conversations, give strategies, Talk about things that really in the, happen in the classroom. And I think that's super important for first-year teachers to know at the very beginning. And then we come back also in the middle of the year uh, to check on them, see where they feel like they've grown, see what from our training they were able to take and implement right away. And it's, it's just an opportunity for us to say, hey, you were just hired. Let's talk about your why for a second. Your why is kids. I'm, I'm, uh, we're hopeful that your why is kids. And if your why is kids, then let's talk about the relationship piece to that. Uh, and it is, it's, a, it's a fun experience for us. We have a, a committee of 
about eight or nine that are always there, but we also this year decided as part of our division improvement plan that every single one of our schools in our division should have a representative on our cultural competency team. So we have 12 elementary schools, one middle school, one high school. We've kind of grown our team, but that core eight or nine, we've been there since the beginning. Uh, I get to work with my wife whenever we do these things. She, uh, she inspires me like no other. So uh, I love not only working in the same division as her, but definitely the two of us over the last several years being on this committee and working towards something and uh, to something that both of us place so much value in. I think that's a great point on the relationship piece and, and the experiences, because you're right. I mean, our, our kids grow up in different areas. They have different experiences. The family makeup is so much different between each child too. And uh, obviously COVID has is, is put a lot of stress on folks too. So um, mm-hmm. I love that you're conquering that piece for your district. And and I know that it's probably doing a wonder uh, for all of your teachers. But with that, I kind of want to pivot over to something that's related, which is just your professional development and, and growth. And I know that you're part of that within your division as far as trying to create something that's more universal for the district versus just every campus doing their own type of thing. So, you know, what what was happening in your district previously and what is it that you're striving to move forward with professional development? Uh, that is a good good place to go next, definitely. We have been a division that I think We've seen other folks have success with things. We've tried to jump in to a certain degree, but I think now we've finally gotten to the point where we have to say, hey, we need to look at everything that we're doing and then we need to blaze our own trail. And yes, we can use resources, but we have to have one umbrella that everything else can fit under instead of several different umbrellas, because that's going to be hard for the teaching staff to follow. They're going to feel like they're constantly jumping around from place to place. And I think, you know, right now, after COVID, after the kind of uh, shock and awe that the last two years have created, to have some sort of unified, this is what we're working towards, would be or and is huge for teachers. Um, So I'm someone ever since I started my admin career and even prior to that, I have constantly been listening to podcasts. I've been reading books. Uh, I'm from time to time very active on Twitter. I like to reflect on Twitter, what I'm hearing, what I'm reading. So professional growth or professional development has always been something that that I've been interested in. I like growing. I like learning. I like knowing that um, I want knowing that I should be better tomorrow than I was today. Um, and, and I think that's my mindset with that. And I hope that's a mindset that we can transfer to other folks. But um, one of the things that we are trying to do right now, um, and, and we'll we can definitely touch on this later as well. Um, We created a learner profile um, as almost all Virginia school districts were charged with doing through that learner profile. One of the things that we have realized is while it's a great learner profile and it touches on a lot of really important skills and dispositions that students should have once they graduate, we don't have a model currently set up for our students to get there. Um, So uh, myself, along with two other individuals in our district, have applied to the Learning Forward Academy, and we are hopeful that over the next two and a half years, we can kind of create a true pathway to where that that vision, that learner profile becomes a reality within Franklin County. Uh, And and it's it's a large task. We have, like I said, 14 different schools. We have right around 6,200 students in our school division. Uh, so trying to get everyone rowing the same way is a is a difficult task. 
But I think if we are able to really spend time and think on it and try to bring some of those things that are on the outskirts into the fold, I think we're going to be more successful with that. And that's hopefully that's our goal. Um, And that's what we've communicated to them that we're trying to do. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. So Matt, you brought it up, the learner profile, and I know that you as a district are trying to make sure that all your graduates are having these essential skills moving forward. So you're part of a program called Vision 25. What is the learner profile and the skills that you're trying to make sure that your graduates are obtaining? Yeah, so um, pre-COVID 2019, we created our learner profile. And our learner profile was built off of um, really four pillars. Um, And we work for Franklin County Public Schools, so FCPS. The F is for a foundation of excellence. The C is for community invested. The P is for prepared for progress. And then the S is for socially responsive. And under each one of those pillars, uh, we have uh, drivers. So um, foundation of excellence. We want our students to be knowledgeable, goal-oriented, and resilient. Community invested, we want them to be collaborators, contributors, and civically responsible. For prepared for progress, we want them to be critical and creative thinkers. We want them to be risk takers, which is something that I value tremendously. Um, We want them to be problem identifiers and solution finders. And then Socially responsive is probably the the pillar that I have worked the most in. We want our students to be self-aware. We want them to be positive communicators. And I think the the driving force behind a lot of how I operate as an administrator, I want our children to be empathetic. And we have, we've developed this profile of the graduate. We have developed a a learner toolkit. So uh, steps that a, a student would go through from emerging to mastery in grades K-2, grades 3, 5, and then 6 through 12 as well. And it's actually divided a lo- up a little bit at the secondary level. Um, but we, we have this, I guess, what we would call a robust learner profile. Thinking back to the Learning Forward Academy, we've put in all of this work, but now we need to figure out a way for our students to actually get there. Um, it looks great on paper. It's a really pretty document. We have uh, I have this fancy vest on that is um, that actually, and, and the, the listeners can't see it, but Joshua can. Uh, we, we have this branding everywhere in our division, um, and we again, we have this awesome accompanying document, but we have to have a way to get there, you know, and, and these are things like foundation of excellence, recognizes potential and creates a vision for their future, accepts feedback from others and uses it to grow, underprepared for progress, embraces challenges. Like these are things that we want our students not just to practice, but when they graduate as seniors, we want them completely there because that's how we are going to kind of impact the world around us. And at the beginning of this, I touched on Franklin County. I love this area. Uh, My wife and I have two kids. We have one on the way in June. So uh, pretty soon we're going to be a family of five plus a uh, 55 pound Husky that sleeps in our bed with us. Um, But we want to raise our kids here. And, you know, my friend group, I think about this a lot. I'm really the only person that still lives here. My friends are all over the country. I'm still here. I want there to be a reason people want to live in Franklin County. And I think by having this idealistic Vision 25 learner profile and then really working towards it, 
we're going to end up in a spot where businesses are going to want to come to Franklin County. You know, we have beautiful lakes, we have beautiful mountains, we have great land, we have a, a very a growing downtown area. I want people to be drawn to this. And in my mind, if we're producing graduates of our high school that are actually um, just truly the, the outcome of this vision, then folks are going to want to come here. Um, and, and my kids are going to grow up and go through a school system that is producing excellent community invested individuals that are prepared for progress and able to be empathetic in the world. And, you know, we're talking about qualities of a student and a profile for them to be successful. I want to pivot using the same model, but for administrators, what are some qualities that you think are essential for successful administrators? Yeah, I want to tell you a story really quickly. And it's a, it's a story I've, uh, I've mentioned to a couple of people. It's probably one of the most impactful moments. And the young lady would have no idea that she impacted me in this way. My first year as an administrator, I told you earlier that I was in a, in an urban school division. We had some fights, not a ton. A lot of it was more so your, your drama, yelling in the hallway, causing a scene, seeing, seeing who we could get stirred up. And uh, we had just had a pretty big scene caused and a, a young lady that I was very close with, you know, as an administrator, you get super heightened in, in that situation because you don't know exactly what's going to happen. You don't know what you need to react to. You don't know how you need to respond. And, you know, I'm trying to clear the hallway. We need kids to go to class. That's why they're in, at school. They need to go to class. And I, I was pretty elevated. She was what I assumed was lollygagging in the hallway. And I told her she needed to go to class. And I came off on her in a way that I, I, I never had before. Her and I had, had for months had great conversation. I would joke with her. She would joke with me. Uh, she was a uh, a B student. Uh, she was good, kind hearted. And I came off on her in a way that I never had because of that situation. And um, she didn't talk to me for three days. And like, I, I, I remember that vividly. And finally, she did talk to me. And I said, so we have not said anything to each other in about three days. Uh, and she was always on my hall. I had English, I had personal finance, I had some science classes. So it's like she never would escape from uh, the Coulter Hall area of the building. And she said, well, I've never seen that side of you before. And I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, well, you're the same every single day. She said, I've seen these things happen in the hallway and you're the same Mr. Dunbar every single day, except for that day. And she said, I didn't know how to react. So I decided I wasn't going to talk to you for a while. And out of that story, I think my lasting takeaway and probably the, the most important thing for me, students deserve consistency. They deserve the same person day in and day out. Um, and no matter what we are going through as adults, no matter if I am in a heightened situation, I do try to remain as consistent as I possibly can, because that's what they deserve. And that's what they expect. And I wouldn't be doing this job the right way if emotionally I was all over the place. I, I want to be a model. I like to model that for the adults in the, the building. They know that I'm the same way all the time. I model that for the students. And I think I, I see a lot in return for that. Um, I, I think being consistent, it, it sounds so simple, but it's not. It takes focus and it takes, uh, you know, uh, drive and determination that I am going to be the same every single day. And along with that, I think if you also have a super high energy level, it is hard to remain consistent and bring that high energy level. Uh, but you, you end up seeing uh, a great harvest from those two things. So, you know, on top of the, the consistency and the level of energy, I think another thing that I bring to the, the schoolhouse is visibility. Every single morning, 
I pop my head in every single classroom. I say hey to the teacher. I say hey to the kids. I, I do not pass a single person in the hallway and not say hello to them. Uh, and I, I, I know I either heard that some at one point in time on your podcast or somebody else's podcast. And that's something that has stuck with me because if I'm saying hello to everyone and they kind of see me as the top in the building, then they're probably also going to say hello to everyone. That's just the expectation. If Mr. Dunbar's doing it, then let me do it. So that, that visibility piece, being in the classroom, every single hall change, being out there, engaging with students, making sure that to let them know that, hey, I'm here, come have a conversation with me, but I'm also here in a supervisory role. Like I, that's, that's kind of the idea of it as well. And then the last thing, I think I, ha I haven't been doing this job for a, for a very long time. This is the March of my fifth year as an administrator, but I, I do have a vision for Franklin County. I have a vision for this school that I'm working in currently. Uh, and I, I think I, I'm able to kind of speak to that vision quite often. I, I think school should be an experience. I think students should want to be here. And I, I think we have the, a duty as adults to make sure that we are constantly adjusting and constantly growing so that we can meet the needs of our, those students. Um, so, you know, visibility, consistency, energy, and vision, those, those are the things that I think make me me. Add in a little bit of communication in there, and uh, you have a, a pretty good recipe. So uh, the, that, I think, is what I bring to the building and, and to education in general. Yeah, you're right. I think the visibility piece is is so important. Also, you know, for myself, I try and touch base with every student I see in the hallway, say good morning with a smile on my face because I want to make sure that my first interaction every single day is positive because later on I might need to have a conversation that's not as positive, and I want to make sure that I've, you know, at least set the table uh, for that second conversation potentially. So um, I love, you know, what you talk about um, in the Boxer Group here on this podcast too is, as far as your visibility. The consistency is so important too with our students, especially those who have gone through trauma. And then as far as the energy level and vision, I think, you know, that's Absolutely. such a good aspect for, for any leader in a building. We're going to pause for just a second as I ask you, the listener, have you ever wondered if you could be a leader in your school or in your district? My book, Aspire to Lead, is available now as I share a practical guide for aspiring leaders to enhance your leadership capacity. As we all know, leadership is extremely difficult, and getting that experience needed to advance can be a huge challenge. In this book, you'll find the Aspire model, which is infused with stories of past failures and successes to guide with actionable steps to enhance your skills. In addition, you'll find fantastic resources and contributions from 11 influential leaders. You can find Aspire Lead on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Walmart. If you have a chance to read the book, please take a moment to leave a review on any of the online platforms that you made your purchase. Now, let's get back to the interview. We're, we're getting toward the, the back end of our conversation today, and I know that you've got something, a project that you had going on pre-COVID, and, and there's rumors that it might be coming back on Twitter. So I, I want to check in with you, but the FRCO chat that was on Twitter, what was that about, and, and is it potentially coming back? So again, pre-COVID, I, I have two friends that I'm really close with that I did my grad school program with tech. They're in different school divisions, but I also have three friends that I'm very close with in this division. Uh, one of them is an elementary principal. One of them is our division, basically coordinator of all different thousand different things. There's no way to give her a title of something. Technically, she's over assessment. But then also the instructional technology administrator, pre-COVID, my, in my first and second year here at the middle school, uh, we had put together all different types of professional development opportunities, book studies, different things like that. 
um, technology related typically. Uh, but we had developed a division Twitter chat and it was the FRCO ha- or hashtag FRCO chat. Uh, and we had uh, 16 weeks and we convinced folks throughout the division to be our moderator. Uh, we had our superintendent do it. We had our assistant superintendent do it. We had teachers doing it. We had, uh, you know, a number of folks throughout the division. And, you know, it was for five pe- professional development points. It was a, a weekly 30-minute chat. We would ask three questions. Uh, we kind of go back and forth. And, you know, we touched on a lot of awesome topics. Uh, we, we hit restorative practices. We hit other SEL-related things. Uh, we talked about technology, student engagement, what a lesson should look like. We definitely hit cultural competency at some point in time and relationships and everything that goes along with that. Um, and, and like I said, we had a, a, a pretty strong following. I think um, we had we got actually ended up having two folks, uh, Dr. Greg Goins. He actually was a moderator for one of our chats. I reached out to, out to him on Twitter and he accepted and he, he did that for us. But the as with COVID derailed everything, I, uh, you know, on, on my end, my wife is a second grade teacher. I saw the hours she was putting in at home. And knew at that point in time for me to say, yeah, it's 30 minutes, but it's that's 30 minutes they probably spent in Canvas. I don't, I don't want to put that on somebody. Yep. I am looking forward to fall of 2022, so this coming fall, trying to put our resources back into that because you know, for a relatively small rural school division to be able to offer something like that and sustain it for the time that we did was pretty impressive. One of the things that we do now, though, um, me and some of the other individuals that were involved, when we see awesome things on Twitter, we still hashtag it with that because it's a good place to go and reflect and and see resources that have been shared and the conversation that we had. So that was just a little fun thing that we did and and we enjoyed doing. We had fun setting it up and explaining folks. And I, I think we added tools to some folks' tool belts that otherwise would not have happened. Yeah, just having that hashtag just to bookmark everything. I think that's pretty wise, especially with with everyone being online for so so long with the virtual learning space. So love what you're doing in your district, man. I know for our listeners and for our aspiring and, and maybe current leaders too, you know, leadership is tough. It's a tough job. And we, we talked and laughed before the we even pushed record about how we have, have to be flexible every single day. But I'm just curious what you think someone can do tomorrow or next week to enhance their leadership journey. Listen to the to the folks that are around you. I, I was in a situation this week where I should have listened more than I did. Um, and if you're trying to enhance your stock as an aspiring leader, be really good at listening. And if you're really good at listening and you kind of channel that into empathy and then into creativity, you're going to find yourself in a really, really good spot. I think schools are looking for leaders that are listeners and leaders that can then channel what they heard into not always having to solve a problem, but to kind of that problem-solving mentality. That's my lesson for this school year. I think I've learned it just about every single day. Do a really good job of listening and you will find growth there. So how can folks connect with you on social media? So on social media, uh, like I said, I do enjoy some Twitter. Um, you can find me at Matt Dunbar, uh, all together, uh, underscore VT, Virginia Tech there. So Matt Dunbar, underscore VT. Um, I'm also on Instagram. I think it's Matt Dunbar, all together, five. 
I'm also on Facebook, Matt Dunbar. You'll see a picture of me and my family. Um, but if you're looking to connect with me professionally, it's definitely Matt Dunbar underscore VT. Everything else is going to have uh, pictures of my children or my dog or me playing golf, um, which you may or may not like. So uh, that, that, is, uh, that is me. Awesome. So to my listeners, definitely check out what Matt Dunbar is putting out on Twitter. He's an amazing resource. Plus, if you want to hear him and uh, so many other fantastic leaders, definitely join the Aspire Boxer Group. A lot of great conversations happening in there. And um, I'm just so honored to be connected with you, Matt. Um, It's truly been great to learn from you um, over these past two years. and, And I just appreciate what you're doing for the world of education. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me.